It's Monday, Chafbet Yar, Tafshin, Ayin Hey, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Farm. Shalom Lach Eretz Nehederet. Done especially for the uh, 
Nachum Siegel Network halftime show this past winter. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the Israel Show. We are here live every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern Time, 4 PM Israel Time. And on demand whenever you'd like to listen via so many digital on-demand formats and media, the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, the Nachum Siegel Network app, available both for iPhone and Android, free of charge. And um, via podcast, which you can subscribe to in iTunes. You can also listen live via the Listen Line. Tell your friends if they don't have internet. New York, 401-347-0100. 401-347-0100. In Israel, 072-2242-792. In the UK, 442070970974. And um, you can keep up with us via our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Currently at 307 likes. Thank you all so very much for your participation. Well, last week was Lag Baomer. And um, one of one of the uh, more modern holidays, if you will, <laughs> on the Jewish calendar. It has, it has really grown exponentially, I think, over the past, what, 15, 20 years or so? Where, to the point that... Uh, a, a, a little over a quarter of a million people were at Har Meiron this past like Bomer and of course the bonfires which uh, are all over Israel and uh, even in the United States there were some bonfires as well so we're going to dedicate this one to all <laughs> it's sort of tongue in cheek it's uh, Danny Sanderson La Kat Doda with Elef Kabaim one thousand firemen will not be able to dose the fire. Will they not be able to put me out? My name is Bear Weingarten. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
הבאים, דני סנדרסון להקת דודה. מאיר ויינגרטן, something that I experienced this uh, past weekend. Uh, you might know that Friday, I believe it was Friday, was VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. It was the 70th anniversary of the victory of the uh, Allied forces led by the United States against the Nazis, the forces of the Axis led by the Nazis. And on Shabbat, I joined friends for lunch. At the table were three generations, not unlike so many other Shabbat tables in the Jewish world. Generation one was uh, a uh, Holocaust survivor, 92 years old. Generation two, his son, in his 50s, uh, late 50s. And generation three, the grandson... In his early 20s, studying at YU, after having spent his post-high school year in Israel. And I was seated between the 92-year-old Holocaust survivor and his grandson. And I turned to the grandfather and I asked him how it felt to celebrate 70 years to his liberation from the concentration camps. And what life was like for him in the months and years after the liberation, because we don't often focus on that. We always think about we learn about what happened during the Holocaust. We don't always remember what happened after the Holocaust. And he shared with us. His memories, his feelings, and it was both fascinating and also very disturbing. You know, we all know the facts, I, I hope, that after the war, the Jews who survived the hell of Nazi Germany and concentration camps were put in. Into other camps, into DP camps, displaced persons camps. We know about those who went back to their towns in various places in Europe and were either forced to leave or killed by the locals because they had, the locals had seized their property and their, their valuables. They stole them and they didn't want to have somebody come back and claim them. We know all this, but to hear the, the memories of one person who was there just really gave me the chills. And suddenly as I, I was listening to how he was telling his story, it hit me that 70 years ago, this 92-year-old was 22, basically the same age as... 
as his grandson seated on the other side of me. And I thought, what a, a it's beyond the world of difference. It, 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 you can't even imagine the difference. I don't, I don't think it's possible for us to comprehend the depths of the difference and therefore the amazing heights of what has happened to us in those 70 years. Just 70 years ago, this 22-year-old was roaming Europe, not sure if his family survived, or the alternative is that he's all alone in the world. Not sure where he's going to spend the next night. And legally he was classified as stateless. Stateless, the epitome of the wandering Jew. While on the other side of me sits his 21-year-old grandson who grew up in a world not only where he is not being tortured and executed for just being Jewish, not only is he not stateless, one could even say he has two states. He's living in the United States where he's a citizen and he is connected strongly to the state of Israel after spending a year there and after being educated in a religious Zionist home. This is a young man who never saw a divided Yerushalayim. He can't even understand the fear that pervaded Israel before the Six-Day War, the um, anniversary of which we're going to be celebrating next week, Yom Yerushalayim, which is next Sunday. The the fear that another Holocaust was going to uh, befall the Jewish people. That That's the way it felt in May of 1967 in Israel. Or the fear that the state of Israel is going to be overrun in the first few days of the Yom Kippur War. A young man who lives in a world where the state of Israel is sovereign over the land of Israel, over united Yerushalayim, where Jews can go freely and if they are attacked can defend themselves... A world where we, I mean, how could we complain? Where we have everything. And I think back also to the story that we told on JM and the AM on, on the Yom Mode special of Avram Abba Goldschmidt who, who left Russia, uh, Lithuania, I guess, near Vilna in the late 1880s, early 1990s, I guess to go to Israel, and and what that meant to make Aliyah. His family was separated, how long it took them to get there, the day and a half traveling from Yafo to Yerushalayim by horse-driven carriage. We are so insanely privileged, so insanely lucky. It, It is so important that we recognize this constantly, 70 years is not a long time. Two generations, one generation is nothing. And it's always important to remind ourselves how great we have it, how much we should appreciate it, and celebrate it. And, most importantly, make sure, work hard to preserve it as we see the rise of anti-Semitism in Europe and in other places. Do not take it for granted. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here's something new, Mati Shriki, Shuv Toda. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us a part of your day.
Mati Shriki off the album Or Chadash that was Shuv Toda here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We're uh, coming to you via the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining us last week. An organization, I, I'd like to say, uh, although it's a bit daring to say, I'm going to say an evil organization called Shovrim Shtika, Breaking the Silence, issued a report in which they um, claim to document the reports of Israeli soldiers saying that during this past summer's Tsuketan, Operation Protective Edge, the soldiers of the IDF of Tzahal acted unethically with malice killing when it was not necessary to kill it's shocking because we know that that's not true it's shocking because the entire report is anonymous. Not one of the soldiers was ready to give his name and say, this is my testimony. That me and my buddies killed people indiscriminately. That we weren't careful enough against our enemies. What's insane is that the Israeli army today operates with lawyers to make sure that every hit is okay, is legal, and, and follows the Geneva Conventions and wouldn't be considered a war crime. We're so handicapped. Israel is so handcuffed by
by the um, international media and the, and the pro-Arab attitudes, especially in Europe, but also on college campuses in America, that if these incidents are true, they are the exception of the exception to the rule. And they teach us about the rule. As they say in Israel. It tells you that if there were just a few isolated cases, that they are the exception and the rule is the opposite. And many, many, many soldiers have come out and declared it's not true. And they've come out in their name, not anonymously. But of course, the world is waiting with bated breath. They're thirsty for such reports that say that the Jews are unethical, that the Jews are in essence doing to the Arabs, God forbid, what the Nazis did to the Jews. And so this vile organization, Shavrim Shtika, in Israel, goes and gives them what they want. And on some level, maybe maybe it's for money, because they get funded in, in part by, uh, I believe, by European funders who, who want to get this, who want to use this as ammunition against Israel. It is sad, but what's important is that we know the truth. That we know, at least first that we know, that it's not true, and then we try to convince the rest of the world. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, an organization that wasn't around 70 years ago, 100 years ago. Boy, if there would have been a state of Israel 70 years ago and an organization like Nefesh Benefesh, can you imagine how different the entire world would be, the Jewish world would be. Nefesh Benefesh provides Olim with needs-based financial aid, employment resources, assistance with governmental absorption, community-based guidance and support. And by doing that, they make each person's aliyah as successful as possible. Their charter flights are legendary, where they commission an entire allow plane, usually during the summer. The entire plane is reserved for Olim from the United States. They process a lot of the paperwork on board the plane. They arrive to Israel in one of the most beautiful, emotional, tear-jerking type of um, ceremony you can imagine. They've made Aliyah something that is cool, it's in, it's important for Jews in America. For detailed information, visit their website www.nbn.org.il The Israel Show is very proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Here's Batel Birnbaum with Hallelujah. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thank you so much for tuning in.
Ella Birnbaum, was it? I believe so. With uh, Hallelujah. Let's just check that. Yes, correct. With Hallelujah. Great number. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. It's coming Sunday. Chavchet Iyar is Yom Yerushalayim, the anniversary of the reunification of the city of Yerushalayim. It had been split, literally, physically split for 19 years between 1948, the establishment of the State of Israel, and 1967, the reunification. One of the many miraculous events during our lifetime. And we celebrate it. We're going to give a little taste, as this is the last show before that, of the Israel show. It's coming sword, the song we're about to play, Yuval Sela and Albert Amar, it's called Yerushalayim, and it, it's very beautiful because all the words, it starts with the words from Tehillim um, that were said by the um, those who were sent into exile from Eretz Yisrael with the destruction of the first Bet HaMikdash to Bavel, the chapter in Tehillim, Al Nahawot Bavel Sham Yashavnu Gambachinu has this oath that they take That's how the song starts. All the rest of the words of the song are names of Yerushalayim, and there are so many. Now here are the words Ir Hashalom, Kiryat Melachrav, Ir Shahubrala Yahdav, Masoskol Tevel, Kamel, Ariel, Tilat Yofi, Ir Haimet, Irlonezavat. Kiryana Emana, Gilad, Rama, Givata Levona, Yefeinov, Tzion, Eden, Tzion, Yarkatet, Safon, Armon, Levanon, Yefeinov, Dusha, Hefziba, Gila, Moria, Mitsuda, Minucha, Vinachala. And there are more names of Yerushalayim, as I, I think I've said before. When something is very important to the people who speak a certain language, they develop many, 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 many names particular thing which is why in English we have basically one word for snow snow and the Eskimos for whom snow is so such a central part of their life have I don't know I don't remember now they have many 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 ways to say the word snow to different types of snow to different textures of snow and and so we have I believe about 50 names for the city of Yerushalayim that is the central node in our religion and in our life. So here it is, Yuval Sela and Albert Amar with Yerushalayim. My name is Mayor Weinger, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Shalom, 
That is beautiful stuff. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. You are, I should say this a little more slowly with a little more addiction, you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So, um, <laughs> in Great Britain there were elections. You might have heard about it on the news. And uh, so many people were talking about the parallels between the elections in Britain. They also have a parliamentary system, but the elections there work differently. Um, the elections in Israel and the elections in Great Britain, in Great Britain as well as in Israel, all the polls said it was too close to call, it was too close to call, and that the um, more right-wing party led by the Prime Minister David Cameron will probably lose them control and blah, blah, blah. And there, there is an issue with um, the Scottish and the Irish, and I'm not really that familiar with all the details of it, but um, I believe there are those that want to cede from England. And um, <laughs> the... The, the, they ran with parties, smaller parties that siphoned off some votes from the left. And during the election day, Prime Minister Cameron got on the um, public uh, media and said things like, "Oh, the the uh, Scotch are um, the Scottish people are rushing to the polls to vote. We have to hurry." Which similar in a way to what Netanyahu was saying, although it was very much taken out of context. Um, and then the upset by the right. Unfortunately for Israel, they, the system, well, I shouldn't say that really. I shouldn't say unfortunately for Israel. The system in England is, is, is even worse than the system in, in Israel. And so the system in, in, in England, uh, David Cameron actually had a majority at the end of the night. Um, a majority of the parliament and he put together <laughs> a government in like a day and went to the queen uh, to uh, to let her know uh, this is my government uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is still struggling and um, he is still struggling because he doesn't have a majority and he has to put together a coalition with other parties because he needs 61 seats in the Knesset and his party only has 30 and so um over the past weeks, this uh, coalition negotiations, which are just really horse trading of the worst kind, and I don't mean to, to, to insult horse traders. And so the Prime Minister, who quite frankly has a tremendous hatred for the leadership of the Bayit Yehudi, Bennett and, and Ayala Chaked, Naftali Bennett and Ayala Chaked, although before the elections, because he wanted to siphon off votes from them, and he did, he announced that they will be the first call that he makes after the election, the second call he makes after the elections, the first was to Miriam Peretz. So, after he made the call as he promised, and people said to me, you see, he made the call, I said, that's not the call it's not a phone call. The call is to acknowledge the central role that the Bayit Yehudi should have because they, so to speak, sacrificed so much for the continuation of Netanyahu's premiership. But of course Netanyahu, after he made the call, then went and negotiated with everybody but Bennett left Naftali Bennett for the end after he had given away much of what they wanted. First he met with uh, Kahlon, who had uh, 10 seats, and he now, he wanted the ministry of, um, the economic ministry, and he got that. 
the treasury, if you will. And he wanted control of certain key key agencies so that he can make changes in the economy and bring about the changes that people wanted to make housing more affordable and other things more affordable. He then went to the uh, Haredi parties, Shas and Aguda, and, and made up with them. And to them, he gave total and full control of uh, Misrat HaDatot, the Ministry of Religious Affairs, which includes all the rabbinic courts, which over the past year and a half, the Bayi Yehudi had started reforming in a most positive way, trying to make the experience that the average Israeli has with the rabbinic courts, with the rabbinate in general, trying to make that experience a more positive one. Because up until that point, over the past decades, it had been basically a place where the Shas party would dole out jobs and just... um, it was unseemly. So all that's going to go back now to Shas, and they'll probably kick out some of the by Yehudi appointments and so forth. And so um, Naftali Bennett was left with, left to be the last. But then suddenly, a Victor Lieberman, unexplicably, and I still to this day don't understand what his thinking is, Avigdor Lieberman said, I'm not joining the government. So suddenly, the 67-seat majority that everybody, including myself, figured was in the bag for Prime Minister Netanyahu, suddenly is gone. Avigdor Lieberman with six seats withdraws. And that leaves Netanyahu, if he adds the Bayit Yehudi, with a 61 seat coalition, which means he has one, a majority of one. It's a majority. But it teeters constantly. Because any Knesset member at any time who decides he's going to bolt topples the government. We've been in situations like this before. The State of Israel has been there. And it has not been pleasant. It was ugly. The opposition parties who worked very hard to topple the government, all kinds of different votes and all kinds of different ways. They went to Knesset member X and Knesset member Y and promised them all kinds of things if they, if they, um, leave the Likud or leave their own parties and join with the opposition. And it worked. In some cases, in some cases it almost worked. But it will be very hard to govern. With a majority of one. Yes, it's true that each Knesset member understands that he's holding up the government, meaning in a positive way that he's like one of the ten pegs. And that if he bolts, the whole thing falls. So that everyone has to be very careful. But at the same time, Netanyahu now is so vulnerable. It is very hard to govern when you are vulnerable, when any one Knesset member, not even talking about a party, any one Knesset member can hold you by the throat, so to speak. And so when he got to Naftali Bennett, suddenly Naftali Bennett could pretty much demand almost anything he wanted, because without him there was nothing. And suddenly his demands grew. So the uh, portfolios, the ministries that had been spoken of until that point, which was the Ministry of Education. Going back to the days of Zvula Hammer, this was a traditional ministry for the Maftal, the Bait Yehudi's predecessor. The Ministry of Agriculture, and the reason they wanted that is because it, it has a tremendous influence on the Hityashvut. And now Bennett said, oh no, I'm, I, I want another one. Holding Netanyahu up, he says, um, I want the Ministry of Justice for Ayala Shaked. And Netanyahu gave in. And this is the government that he will be presenting soon. Now what's left is for him to take the 
portfolios, the remaining portfolios, and distribute them amongst his party. His party really came last. And this always happens. This is a typical situation that um, the leadership finds themselves. They fought, the, the, the members of the Likud, the Likud who, who won the elections, if you will, end up with the uh, Shirayim, the remnants. Was Bennett offered the foreign ministry? It could be he was, and that he turned it down. That's what they say. Foreign ministry is going to stay open. It's going to stay in Netanyahu's hands. Supposedly, he's going to use it to try and lure other parties to join. Most, mostly Herzog and the Labour Party. I don't think they're going to take debate. I think Herzog would like to, very much. But they won't let him. The um, the Knesset has to pass a law <laughs> that basically overturns the law that they passed a year and a half ago, limiting the government to 18 ministers, because in order to bang together this coalition, Netanyahu needed to uh, expand the government. And so that's next up on the line. They're going to do that. The high courts rule that that's constitutional. Well, not constitutional, but it's legal. And uh, and then probably within a few days we will see um, Premier Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu, present his government to the um, President of Israel. It's the traditional iconic photo of every government on their first day as they are lined up in a united picture at the President's residence with the President sitting in the middle. Prime Minister to his right, Deputy Prime Minister to his left, and all the ministers of the new government around. And as we look back at those pictures and think about all those governments and the excitement that they had on day one and how they almost always ended in misery, this one, at least there's no excitement at the beginning. It's starting off in misery. It's always fun in Israel. The politics of Israel, wow, it's just so crazy. And, and people are trying to, to, to tell us, oh, Victor Lieberman, he, he gave up joining the coalition because of this or because of that. And I just, I don't buy it. I don't understand what it is, but he is not a stupid man. He is a very, very bright, sharp politician. He knows Netanyahu very well. He used to be his chief of staff. As was Bennett, by the way. These are people that know Netanyahu very well. They know his strengths. They know his weaknesses. Days, yamim yagidu, as they say in Hebrew. Days, days will tell, but that's not really an expression in English. As time goes by, we will hopefully better understand what is going to happen. And and look, I think we all have a vested interest that this government succeed, because the last thing that Israel needs now is another election. Oh yeah, we're going to end off. With uh, Yerushalayim Shel Zahav, one of the central, um, I think, themes of almost every celebration on Yom Yerushalayim is this iconic song, legendary song of Naomi Shemer. The words themselves, for the words themselves, Naomi Shemer deserves every accolade in the world. Written before the Six-Day War, and presented in Israel at the Israeli Music Festival on Yom Ha'atzma'ur of 1967, which was Hey Iyar and Chafchet Iyar, Yerushalayim was liberated. And the song, many people don't realize that the song is actually a lamentation, a kina. It's a sad song. It's a song that tells about the split Yerushalayim, Uvilibachoma, a city that has a wall down the middle, dividing its heart. Some people think about it as the wall of the old city. I think it also means the wall that divided Jerusalem. There was a physical wall dividing Yerushalayim. It's a sad song. En poketet harabayit. Nobody, nobody, um, ascends harabayit in the ir ha'atika. And now, three weeks later, it, 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 I think that what made the song what it is, 
one of the most popular songs in Israel ever, is not only its genius as a song and as a poem, but the timing that was almost prophetic of Naomi Shemer's presenting it. The version that we will play is relatively new. I think it came out, yes, last year on Yom Yerushalayim. This is by Ari Goldweg, an American who's made Aliyah, lives in Israel, has a beautiful voice, and um, I want to present to you his version of Yerushalayim Shel Zahav. Before we do that, we say thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. We will be posting links to all the songs, or almost all the songs we played today on our Facebook page, so look for that later today. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next time we meet, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.
לשוק ולכיכר. שופר קורא מהר הבית ביראתיקה. ובמראות אשר בסלע, הרבה שמשות זוכות. נשוב נרד אל ים המלח בדרך יריחו. ירושלים של זהב ושל נחושת ושל אור, הלא נחושי רעייך אני חינור. ירושלים של זהב ושל נחושת ושל Woo! <laughs>